Hi, this is Chris Nessie from the House of EdTech podcast. Welcome to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. I used to produce and edit the Google Teacher Podcast, hosted by Matt Miller and Casey Bell. You can enjoy the podcast once again, and be sure to visit the new website, chrisnessy.com slash googleteacherpod. Please note that any of the show note links mentioned in the episodes are no longer valid, but if you go to chrisnessy.com, dot com slash Google Teacher Pod, you can search the archive and check out the show notes for each and every episode of the Google Teacher Podcast. Thank you for your continued support, and may the Googles be with you. Welcome to the Google Teacher Tribe Podcast. Your source for the latest news on Google for education, tips, tricks, and teaching ideas you can use in class tomorrow. And here are your hosts, Matt Miller from DitchThatTextbook.com and Casey Bell from ShakeUpLearning.com. episode 25. Huh, that's kind of amazing. I was just looking back and trying to figure out how many hours of podcast content we'd put out recently. And I think that we're we're hovering around the 15 hour mark. Can you believe that some people have listened to us talk about Google products for 15 hours? <laughs> I'm feeling a little guilty about that. Right. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of Casey. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, if some, if some people do those Netflix style binges and they listen to a whole bunch of us, that's like 15 hours of us just talking back and forth about this stuff nonstop. Uh, yes, it is. But I'm very proud that we've made the made it this far. And, you know, we're episode 25. So I feel like that is a good milestone to celebrate. Um, you can imagine our little loot bitmojis in the air right now yes. celebrating this. But, um, you know, we've we've learned a lot of lessons creating these episodes. And we've learned so much from all of you, especially oh, yeah. uh, members of the tribe. But, you know, it's funny because we usually record once a week. And depending on what day our schedules allow, there are oftentimes a lot of Google updates are not so much. And so um, I know that's one of the favorite sections of the podcast for a lot of people is is trying to keep up with Google. Yeah, yeah. Well, in our in our last episode, episode 24, we were like, well, there's really not that much to talk about. <laughs> well, it was like the day we recorded. And then the next day, there were like... 20 million updates that came out. So right. I was like, oh, you know what? Somebody's going to ding us. They're going to be like, what are you talking about? There aren't any updates. All this fabulous stuff just came out. Yeah, so like, where have guess you guys what? Live? Where have you been? Did you, did you totally yeah. miss this? Yeah, exactly. So it kind of depends on when we're recording and, and sometimes um, those fall on, you know, different dates. But, you know, this episode, I think we've got a ton of updates to share. Yeah, absolutely. So much so that the main content of this episode is going to be about specifically a lot of these updates to Google Slides. We're going to touch on a lot of the things that we've learned in our news and updates, of course, but we're going to unpack some of these changes that have come to Google Slides and talk about how they're going to impact the classroom. We've got some questions, some really good questions from the tribe, and then we'll talk about some blog posts too. So what do you say we get started, Casey? Let's go. As 
as we mentioned before, uh, <laughs> We had a ton of updates last week and uh, lots of things to cover with you. One of the things that I wanted to mention, and this is important to iOS users, is that Google Expeditions got a pretty important update that uh, Android already had. So we were waiting to get this on iOS, but this means that we can now do self-guided tours. And so that's a pretty important update to be able to to take a, an expedition, go on the tour on your own. And so that is now built into the iOS update. Make sure you go to the App Store and and update your um, expeditions application there and and make sure all of your devices have been updated. So that's that's a big one. Here's another one when it comes to Google Classroom that I think teachers have been waiting for. For a while now, we've used Google Classroom and we've also connected it with Google Forms. Well, not like officially connected it, but we would do an assignment where students would go off and would do a quiz or some sort of assessment on Google Forms. Part of the problem with that was that whenever we would grade those quizzes, there was no easy way to actually pull those grades back into Google Classroom. Now we've got the ability to do that. So basically, if you assign an assignment with a Google Form quiz attached to it, now we have the ability to import those grades from the student work back into Google Classroom so that you can see it in the student work section. And so basically it's reflected right there in Google Classroom. And then, of course, you can return the um, grades back to the students after that. So that is one nice feature where we're taking the Google tools that already exist that teachers and students are both using. And now it kind of integrates them nicely and neatly within Google Classroom. So I think I think that's kind of a big deal, a small one, but an important one. Definitely important. And I think it's been highly uh, requested by teachers to have this feature. So I know a lot of teachers will be excited to try that. Yes. The next update that I want to share with you is actually sort of one of those little lesser known tools, uh, but it's new. So it's, it's, it's lesser known because it's new, but I think it seems a little geeky at first and probably seems a little more for the business world than for education at first glance. But when we have so many discussions now about data in our schools and trying to, you know, use that in our decision making, I think this tool is going to to help with that. And it's called Google Data Studio. Uh, it is technically still in a beta format. But when you go into the studio, by the way, we have linked to all of these updates in the blog posts from from Google that are about the updates in our show notes, so googleteachertribe.com slash 25, you can, you can see all of the screenshots and everything about all of the updates. But when I go back into the data studio, they basically will tell you this, this is a way to turn your data into informative dashboards and reports that are easy to read, easy to share, and fully customizable that will allow you to tell a story with your data. And so to me, it looks like it's got some great potential. And I don't know about you, Matt, but when I became a teacher, nobody told me that I was also becoming a data analyst. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> you know, is very like, true. That is, that is a role that we did not expect to have. But because of the data we now have, because of technology, uh, learning how to take action on data has become, you know, a big hot topic and a very important topic. But we didn't really get a lot of, or I didn't get a lot of, of, of training on what to do with data. I just got stacks and stacks of, of information. So 
So now you have the ability to come in here and look at your data and and tell stories in different ways. So I just thought it was worth mentioning, and all of you uh, data geeks out there can can unite and and go geek out over it and let us know. So take a look, yeah, and if you you know if you use it, if you tried it, if you found a great way to use it in education, like I said, you can tell that this is naturally built for the business world and looking at like things like Google Analytics and and things like that. But I think we use data. In, in education in a lot of different ways that, that this could come in handy. Part of the problem, I think, in the education world is that we get a lot of data, sometimes just tons and tons of it, but there's no easy way to make sense of it. And it's all out there. And sometimes people think, oh, but why didn't you use the data? It's because it takes forever to figure out and then to analyze. And sometimes we're just not in a position to do that easily. So if we can simplify that process, this could be really good. So I, I really like the potential for this. Another cool update that we've seen, and this one isn't so much for like, you know, start implementing this tomorrow in class, but there is a ton of new hardware that Google is starting to roll out and there's some pretty cool stuff that's going to be available. And of course, whenever you see the new hardware, the new gadgets and everything, it's kind of easy to geek out about. So here's sort of the rundown of some of the things that they're releasing. Uh, one, of course, is a, is a cell phone. You've got the Pixel 2, which is the next version of the, the Pixel uh, smartphones. But then you've also got Google Home Mini, which is kind of like a smaller, more um, easy to fit anywhere version of the Google Home, which kind of makes me think of the Alexa and the Alexa Dot. So you've got like the, the smaller version of that. Then... Now, coming back into the education realm a little bit more, you've got the Pixelbook. And so the Pixelbook, they're they're billing it as a high-performance Chromebook. And so to me, I'm looking at this, and I'm going to cross over and use the M word here for a second. This makes me think a lot of the Microsoft product, the Surface. Um, So even the way that it's set up with the little prop in the back and the keyboard, and now they've got the Pixelbook pen, this looks a lot like... Google's answer to the Surface, uh, the Surface Pro or the Surface Tablet or whatever. But then also Google's got Pixel Buds, which are like earphones. They've updated Daydream View, which is their virtual reality. And then they've even got this cool thing. I'm kind of kind of interested to get my hands on this, um, this thing called Google Clips, which to me kind of looks a little bit like a GoPro, um, just like a little camera that you can put anywhere and then it will take little short videos or pictures and then just sync them automatically to your phone. So, you know, I can see there's some some neat tie-ins, I think, to this in the classroom and extracurriculars and all that, especially with Google Clips. I could see even in addition to just using the pictures and the videos in class, but also with like sports teams and clubs and stuff. Um, I could see a lot of a lot of potential for a lot of these. So it's just just kind of fun to see what Google is coming up with in terms of hardware here. Yes, it looks like we have some really um, competitive hardware that that Google's really trying to to push out there to compete with both Apple and Microsoft. So uh, excited to see what's coming next. Now, I think uh, some of that is still on the way and some of it maybe you can order now. So so keep your eye on that. And especially if you're a fan of the Google Assistant and using the AI Assistant, um, I think that's part of just about all of those And of course, like we said earlier, if you want to check out more information on any of these uh, news and updates, we've got the links to all of the Google news releases and all sorts of information about them. And you can find those, of course, at googleteachertribe.com slash 25. 
The Google Teacher Tribe podcast is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. The Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators, podcasts by educators. For more great education podcasts, go to edupodcastnetwork.com. So in the midst of all of these updates that got dropped, there were some huge ones to Google Slides. And of course, for me, this was really, really big news for me because Google Slides is by far and away, that one in drawings are my my favorite of the Google tools. So whenever they update things like this, it always definitely has my attention. And so we have now all of these new features that Google Slides has. And one of the big ones, I think, is the ability to use Google Keep in conjunction with Google Slides. And Google announced the the integration between Docs and Keep not too long ago. If you're not familiar with Keep, by the way, uh, Keep is kind of like digital sticky notes that go with your Google account wherever you go. So you can take them on your phone, you can take them on your computer. And before you had the ability um, to drag one of those Google Keep notes onto a document. And so this was really cool for like students that wanted to organize research or some sort of project they're doing, and then they were just able to drag and drop things into place. And so now what you can do is you can pop open a little window on the right side of your Google Slides, and you can drag a Google Keep note onto your slide, and the text will go right into the text boxes that are already there based on the layout that you've chosen. You can drop images, you can drop charts, there's a ton of things. And what I really like about it is that it takes that information from the Google Keep Note and it integrates it into the design that's already there. So it doesn't just drop like a random text box and then you've got to re, you know, kind of like redesign it. It it actually fits in with the design that's on the slide. So So that was one big one that I really, really liked. Oh, yeah, that's huge. And we're such Google Keep fans. In fact, we, we did an entire episode on Google Keep. So it's really fun to see how they are beginning to integrate it into the other applications. And I think just makes it even more useful. So, you know, I think there are tons of ways that this can be used in the classroom. And I'm sure we will be exploring and sharing those later. But of course, if any of you are diving into some of these new features, please share that with us as well. And uh, let us know what you think uh, of these these new ideas. So Google Keep was definitely a, a nice little addition. So if you haven't noticed it yet, um, you can go to tools and see keep notepad there and it will pop up as a little sidebar like it does in docs. So it's a very similar sort of functionality to the way we see it inside tools in Google Docs. But the other thing that I think was probably the biggest piece of this, and, and a lot of us have been waiting on this one, was the fact that we now have add-ons in Google Slides. Yes. Yes. So uh, we're all super excited about that, of course. But so again, just like we use add-ons inside sheets and forms and docs, you go to the add-ons menu and then you go to get add-ons and you can explore what add-ons are there. At the time of this recording, I'm looking at eight, eight different add-ons. So again, keep in mind that they just released this. So this will probably be bigger number tomorrow. They're, they're constantly you know, updating and adding new ones. 
Now, there are some that, you know, were so uh, popular that they they sort of launched with the whole idea of add-ons. And Google really, I think, sort of highlighted the fact that we now have some stock photo options that are built in. And I think this is huge. So, um, you know, we have the ability now to use the Adobe stock, but... Um, you do have to purchase the license to use those just like you do uh, if you were using that outside of add-ons. And then there is also Shutterstock. And I think you were looking at Shutterstock, right, Matt? Did What did you think of that one? Yeah, I mean, I'm familiar with Shutterstock, and I know that it's kind of like the top of the line when it comes to uh, stock photography. So, I mean, just having all of that available is is really pretty cool. Yes. And so what I love about once I added the add-on, once I added the add-ons, we're going to use the word add way too much here. So uh, you, you can <laughs> you can click to use them in the sidebar and see them pop up and they will give you some additional information. So um, so we have Adobe Stock, Shutterstock, and we also have now the ability to use Unsplash. Yes. Um, and so that one, I think, is really the one that the teachers are going to care about. And yeah. that is because... You can use it any way you want to. It is free and you can do pretty much anything that you want to with these photos. In fact, I copied and pasted it into the show notes. And this this was word for word what it says when you open it up. Free to use for anything. Every right. unsplash photo is high res and completely free for commercial and personal purposes. So this this goes far beyond fair use. Um, this this is a great little feature here. So, um, you know, I think there are going to be so many more beautiful presentations created by students now that we have access to these great little add-ons. So, but I also wanted to mention um, one of your favorite little applications, Noun Project, was also added. So I I think, I think there'll be a lot of fun with that. And you use Noun, the Noun Project for most of your infographics, right? Yes, yes. In fact, I even just recently upgraded to the Noun Project Pro, which is $39.99 a year, and it lets you change the color of your icons, and it gets rid of all of the attributions, so they all become basically um, royalty-free. And yeah, it's it's awesome. But if you don't go that route, there are still 100 icons that you can use with the add-on, with the Google Slides add-on. So there's a whole bunch of, I just pulled them up, a second ago. And I mean, you've got some, some sort of basic ones like arrows and, um, you know, some of your basic shapes and you've got cars and cameras and all that. So there's a lot that you can do with just these basic ones and they're all built in. And of course, those are all free too. Yes. We love free in education, right? We need, we need free desperately. Most of the time (laughs) is the case. So, uh, one other add on to mention is Pear Deck. So if you are a Pear Deck user or Pear Deck fan, and I know there are a lot of uses uh, of Pear Deck uh, in, in the school districts out there. So they also have an add on that you can check out for Google slides. The other thing that sort of partners with this that I just wanted to mention because it's semi-related to add-ons is the fact that you now can work with app scripts inside slides. So if you get all scripty and you like doing that sort of stuff, that is now something that you can customize and create your own scripts. So uh, you know, we've been been able to do that in, in things like Sheets and some of the other applications. So this is actually what powers add-ons. And so you can create your own scripts that eventually become add-ons in the gallery there. But if you want to nerd out, this is all for you. 
Yeah, and this is something I've been kind of looking forward to, not not necessarily because I'm a, a script nerd or anything, which I kind of wish I was. Me but too. Yeah, I know. But um, I'm always fascinated to see what kind of things are created by people with this ability. So the stuff that will eventually become add-ons. And I know just recently we were able to integrate Google Slides with uh, Chrome extensions. And so, I mean, just having all of that additional functionality really makes these tools so that you can customize them and make them what you want them to be if you have the coding ability or if you can find somebody who can code for you. So I'm, I'm really excited to see where this goes. Me too. You know, there's so many times that I have questions or other people have asked me questions. Hey, could you automatically have a slide created after you submit a form and things like mm-hmm. that? This is going to make that possible. Now, yeah. I'm not saying this is already possible, but hey, if you want to go write the script, you can do it. So so that's really going to open up some doors for us to connect Google Slides to not just the, you know these photo applications. Like I think this is sort of our level one here, but we're going to be able to do all kinds of stuff. And so if you're interested in that, um, you go to tools and you'll see now under where it says keep notepad, our other new thing, um, the script editor. And so if you're interested in scripting, and I know Alice Keeler is big into, into scripting, it's something that I've wanted to do. I just have not found the time yet, but I think there's some some fabulous new things that are going to come out of slides. And honestly, slides is already pretty much my favorite tool in G Suite. So I think it just went up a notch. Yeah. Now you just mentioned Google Keep again. And, you know, while actually while we've been recording this, I thought, hey, I'm going to pull up a a Google drawing and just kind of throw it out there and see if Google drawings got the Google Keep integration. And guess what? They did. If you hit the tools button under Google Drawings, it also has a Keep Notepad. So you can drag those pictures and the text and the links and all of that stuff from your Google Keep Notepad right into Google Drawings, too. So I just stumbled awesome. upon that and thought I would share that with you guys. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, no, and, and you know what? That's that that's the perfect example of trying to keep up with Google because they don't always officially announce everything. You know, it's sort of like the icons. Like, there was no, like, blog posts or any reason why that we knew about anyway at the time but you just discover hey that wasn't there yesterday hey <laughs> what is this and so um you know it's fun to learn on the fly but i love the fact that keep is now being integrated pretty much everywhere that's awesome totally agree now there's two two other little things i wanted to touch on really fast that i liked about these uh updates one of them has to do with skipping slides during a presentation now uh, as someone who uses a MacBook on a regular basis, um, and I use Keynote to do a lot of my presentations, and sometimes if I want to do a shorter version of one presentation that I already have a slide deck for, sometimes I just need to get rid of some of those slides. And so that's something that I was able to do with Keynote very easily, was just hide a group of slides, and then that way I don't have to try to click through them really fast in front of a group. That was something that you couldn't do with Google Slides until now. So now you have the ability to actually skip a slide during a slide presentation. And so all you really have to do is you've got all the thumbnails for all of your slides along the left-hand side of Google Slides. Before you do your presentation, you just right-click or do a two-finger tap on a Chromebook or a Mac, 
and right under where it says new slide, duplicate, slide, delete, slide, now you have skip slide. And then what it does is it puts this little icon with an eye with a slash through it, like an eye like your eyeball, with a slash through it so you know that that one isn't going to be used. And then, of course, whenever you're ready to use it again, then you just uncheck where it says skip slide and you've got it back. The other one that I think is pretty cool is that you now have linked slides. And when I saw this at first, I thought, oh, this is just a link from where you can click on a hyperlink and it'll take you to another slide. But this is something totally different. So if you have a similar slide that you want to use in like two different places, what you can do is you can link those slides together. And if they have the same kind of data on them, if you update the data on one, it's like, have you ever done this before? You have one slide that looks almost exactly like another one and you change the data on one and then you've got to immediately go back down and change the data on the other one to match it. So if that's the case, then if you link those slides together, then you update the data on one and you go over to the other one and then you just choose the option to update, which I think is in the top right hand corner of the slide. And you just update that information and it's going to automatically update that data to match the other one. I hope that all kind of made sense, but I'm kind of excited about the possibility of this. Oh, yeah. I love things that that are going to make my life easier. And and I think they've added a lot of things to, to help improve that and help us, you know, work smarter. In fact, uh, one of the other things that I think a lot of people are going to be excited about, again, it's tiny. It's in the bottom left, but it's a slide sorter. And so now you can actually view the tiles of all of your slides instead of just the side there. You can actually see the entire grid of all of your slides. And I know people have been asking for that for years. My goodness, I missed that. How did I miss that? Yeah. Is there any way that we can do that? Yes. Yes, it's there. And yeah, I was already playing. I was like, oh, because sometimes you really need that big picture. And it was really hard. In fact, I think there was sort of a Chrome extension workaround that some people were using. Right. But, um, you know, I have really missed that sort of from my transition back in the PowerPoint days to slides. I'm like, ah, really, you know, especially when you have a slide deck with like 60 slides, like you're trying to trying to make sense of it. So um, I'm, I'm really excited to see that. So again, um, you know, on the left hand side where you see the little thumbnails of all of your slides down at the bottom, you will see uh, two little icons. And, and the, the one on the left is sort of that default view. And then you can go to the grid view and actually see that slide sorter. Yeah. So this is some pretty cool stuff, at least we think, when it comes to Google Slides. So hopefully when you're creating slides for your students, creating slides with your students, if you're doing some shared slide presentations together, some of these things hopefully will make things a little bit easier for you and for them and maybe even kick learning up a notch a little bit. And of course, if you want to see more information about all of this, you can go to googleteachertribe.com slash 25. Okay, we have some amazing questions and feedback from the tribe that gets shared in multiple ways, and we love it. Let me tell you, um, Twitter is just amazing. I, I can't can't even quite keep up now with the hashtag and everything that everybody tags the Google Teacher Tribe on. But I want to kick things off in this section with a quick tweet idea here. And um, this one comes to us from Dina. And I really, uh, Dina, I apologize. I don't know how to say your last name. I'm going to say Delaire. That was my guess Matt, too. You, 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> so uh, my apologies here. And and she is from Oakley, Kansas. And she just she just shared a quick idea for using Google Classroom for the 1718 tech in service. Each topic is a session. So that's how they're going to organize it and use Google Classroom for PD. And I think that's amazing. And she says it's a genius idea from our, our business teacher to clear um, the GC clutter. And I love the fact that 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 little feature of being able to add a topic has really helped us sort of clear up the stream a little bit and how the craziness happens inside Google Classroom. So thank you for sharing that, Dina. Yeah, yeah, that's a, a really cool idea. And I think there's a lot of potential with the uh, topics. That just makes perfect sense to me. So um, we got a question from Sarah Mora. She's from Arizona. And so we're going to let her take it away and ask that question. Go ahead, Sarah. Hi, Matt and Casey. This is Sarah Mora from Arizona, um, and I am the blogger behind techiecrayons.com. I had a quick question for you guys today. Um, I do a lot of videos for tutorials for how to use certain products in our district using Screencastify, but sometimes I have sensitive information on the videos I'm making, and I would like to blur out the names of the students or their grades and whatnot, like for when I'm recording um, PowerSchool um, tutorials. Is there a way um, on Screencastify to blur out names? Um, is that like part of the upgrade? I haven't looked into the upgrade features, but I wondered if you all knew or if there's another tool that will help me do that whenever I make my um, screencasting tutorials. Thank you so much. All right. So if you're hoping to use Screencastify to do something like this, I was kind of poking around on it and I'm thinking that there's there's not exactly a way to do to be able to blur sensitive information like that. Um, even looked into the paid features and blurring is not an option. So I, I came up with a couple of alternative ideas and I'd be really interested to see if anybody else out here in the tribe has any other ideas for this. So couple of thoughts. Whenever I do a screencast video that needs blurring, I almost always go straight to Camtasia. Now, Camtasia obviously is a paid video editing program. It's not cheap, um, but if you have access to it, that is, I think, one of the, the best ways. And I think, I think maybe Snagit does that too. Casey, do you know that one off the top of your head? Yes, but Snagit is is generally more for the stills, and Camtasia is usually you know for the video. That's what I was thinking. Was Snagit was putting it on the stills? Yeah. Okay. So there's so as far as blurring things right in the video, I I know Camtasia will do that. Um, another thought I had was, what if if you if you don't have access to Camtasia and you still want to blur that stuff, what if at very very least you could take a screenshot of the screen that you want to blur things on. So then in your screencast video, it won't be live, but at least it'll be a picture, which is better than nothing, I suppose. And then there are a couple of ways that you can that you can blur from there. Of course, like I mentioned with Snagit earlier, um, if you have Snagit, I love Snagit. It is paid, though. I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of $30 uh, for the license to download it and use it. But then there's also this great Chrome extension that I love called Awesome Screenshot. And so if you install Awesome Screenshot... It will take recordings, but it won't let you blur on them. But what it will do is it'll let you take a screenshot and then do the blurring, and then you can just save that image. So I could see kind of putting those together. That would kind of be better than nothing. But those are the two things that come to mind for me, at least. Um, and again, if anybody on in the tribe has any other ideas, 
feel free to just tweet those out to the GT Tribe hashtag or uh, send them in through our feedback page at googleteachertribe.com slash feedback. I would want to ask a, a few more questions just because I'm curious to what it is that you're screencasting. If maybe there is, is some other way to create sort of examples instead of using the sensitive data in, in your screencast. But I'm, again, I don't know. Are you talking about students doing this? Or are you talking about, um, you know, this is something you're creating? So I think there's a few more questions that we could answer um, and maybe help help you a little bit more if we knew a little bit more about what you were doing. I'm going to take another question here from Christina Smith Rivera, and she's from Summit County, Colorado, and she also sent us a speak pipe. And um, Matt, I think it's okay to say that we do prefer the speak pipes, that we sort of have a preference that we they they might get on the podcast. Um, they're more we're more likely to pick, we love hearing your voice. We do. I, that really is. We love hearing accents, you want to, too. You know, I was, gonna, I was just about to there. say, I was going to say, you want us to be totally <laughs> honest. Casey and I were having a discussion off air going, if you're from another country outside of the United States and you have an accent, please send it in through SpeakPipe. That's just, I don't know. <laughs> I hope that's not horrible for us to say. It's just, you know, that's just something we were chatting about before. So It's just interesting. And and it it feels more personal, too. But also, and, and not to say that we're not answering as many questions as we can, but right. I just wanted to put that out there. And we do appreciate it. And we are getting more SpeakPipes than we did last season. So thank you so much for sub- submitting those um, through our website. So I- I'm going to let uh, Christina take it away and and share with you um, (laughs) some interesting uh, feedback that she has and a question. Hey, Casey and Matt. I'm Christina Smith Rivera, and I am up in Colorado. I love your podcast and look way more forward to it than I should each week. I learn so much from y'all each week. Casey, I'm originally from Texas, and the next time I'm in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I'm taking you to lunch at my uncle's restaurant, Babe's Chicken House, to thank you. And Matt, you were our guest expert for our Twitter chat at hashtag SSDEDU a few weeks ago, and I've seen big changes in our classrooms already. So thanks again. Now my question. I've created student tech experts at each of my schools that have three goals. One, in-building tech support. Two, professional development of students and staff. They love the idea of teaching the teachers. And three, connecting with other student tech teams to share and learn from each other. I have coordinated with some other districts that also have student tech support teams and are excited to connect their students with mine. What would be the best tool to use? I'm a little lost. How would you set this up? Would you do a classroom, a site, a hyperdoc with a forum feature built in somehow? Help! Okay, Christina, I'm totally taking you up on on lunch and Babes is amazing. So um, yes, we are totally going. Uh, yeah, DM me when you're in town and we will totally, totally do that. Thank you so much for your support and your kind words. So in the chicken. And the chicken, yes, we we will go eat some chicken together for sure. Um, and of course, love the fact that that you feel at home and you're a Texan. So, uh, but your question left me with some more questions for sure. But I, I love the fact that you're making use of some tu- student tech experts, right? And um, I, if I understood the question correctly, it really sounded like you were talking about a way for them to collaborate with the these other teams that you've connected with. And so my first question really is what age group are these students? So if they're high school, we definitely have some more options. But if they fall under that below 13, that sort of eliminates a few things. So um, 
initially, yes, you said Google Sites. I think that's 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 kind of one way. It's not super collaborative, but um, a Google Plus community could definitely be collaborative. Of course, it's 13 and over and may not be enabled by your domain. Google Classroom definitely comes to mind. However, um, it could get complicated uh, if you're going, you know, outside your domain and what the rules are with that, with the different schools you may be connecting with. Um, Google Groups um, could also be a solution and really just sort of setting up that discussion thread type of collaboration. So um, sort of, the, you know, who who's our audience here? And then the next question is really, what are they sharing? You know, what kind of information are they sharing? Um, and this may be a tool that is not a Google tool. You know, there's there's other ways that they could collaborate, even through like a group me or something like that, that could be useful. Um, I do want to mention the um, episode eight of the Google Teacher Tribe was when we interviewed the Chrome Squad from Royce City ISD. And if you haven't connected with them, for sure recommend connecting with them. And they may have some some ideas to share as well. But um, if you're just interested in general um, listeners out there about setting up your own sort of um, tech support squad of, of whatever type of technology it is that you're using. Um, that, that episode's one of my favorites and actually getting to interview the students who are doing that. So, um, Matt, do you have anything to add? Any other ideas on ways they could collaborate together? Yeah. And it sort of depends, I think on, are we trying to find other people like that? Or are we just trying to get them connected once we've found them? So, um, I was even thinking, I mean, it could be something just as simple as like a today's meet room even. Now, that's a little bit less permanent probably than you want it to be. But I mean, that was even one thing that came to mind. And um, But I think if you're looking to find other people, then, you know, using social media to reach out to the teachers and the schools and everything might be a good way to go. But if you've already found them and you want to find a collaborative space for them to talk and share ideas and everything, then um, I think any of the things that, that Casey was mentioning would be really good. Right. And, you know, and just another thought, again, not necessarily noting, knowing what they're collaborating on, but Trello could be an interesting oh, way yeah. to collaborate as well um, so that they, you know, if they're collaborating on ways to solve problems um, as a tech team might, they could thread those types of discussions in Trello very easily. And I, I think that that could or, you know, even keep, you know, I think the more I sit here and think about it, um, you know, there might be some ways that you could use Google Keep as a collaboration space as well. Yeah. Um, I guess, it, you know, are they sharing videos? Are they, you know, what type of information are they sharing? And and if you want to send us a follow-up, I'd love to hear more about what you're doing with these these tech experts here. So thank you so much for that question, Christina, and your kind words. And let's go get some chicken. So on the blogs today, I wanted to share with you a real quick one that does apply very well to the Google ecosphere. I published a blog post fairly recently called Classroom Video Calls. You can do this. Here's how. And here's why I wrote this, because so so many places that I go, I'll ask teachers how many of them do video calls, you know, like Skype or Google Hangouts or FaceTime. Um, just in their everyday lives and lots of hands go up. And then all of a sudden after that, I'll ask them, how many of you use those video calls in the classroom with students? And it's usually a very small percentage. And I really believe that one of the, that the video calls are kind of like the low hanging fruit 
in educational technology and the ability that we have to connect to experts and other classes and even to virtual field trips is great. And a lot of times when I talk to teachers about this, the big question is, you know, how do I make this happen? How do I find people and all that? And so that's what this blog post is all about. So if you're using Google Hangouts, which is a great tool for this or Skype or FaceTime or whatever, uh, this kind of walks you step by step through how you come up with a plan, um, how you can find guests, how you can f- like reach out to them, and how you do the whole thing kind of start to finish. So if this is something you've thought about doing, then maybe this blog post can help. That's great. I think that's one of those things that's out there. People know they can do it, but they really just don't have all the resources in one place. So it's fabulous that you put that together for us. I have a quick post to share. And, you know, one of the biggest questions that I get after a presentation or I post something on the blog is how do I make my screencast GIFs? And so um, GIFs, I am referring to the little animated uh, images that show where to click on the screen usually. And so these are great short ways to demo um, features or how-to steps, uh, whether you're posting online or you're presenting and things like that, because I can I can have that on the screen behind me in my presentation and someone can easily learn how to do it without me having to explicitly tell you, click here, click here, click here, but also because they loop. So if you don't get it the first time or you're looking down or whatever, you just you just keep watching until you get it. And so um, but I, I get that question so much. and It's been on my list forever to do a blog post. So I use a, a an open source tool called Gyazo, G-Y-A-Z-O. And it, what I love about it is it allows me to choose any portion on my screen. It doesn't have to be full screen and then it's too big or whatever. So I had, you know, I had issues with some of the tools that do that. And I can just sort of zoom in exactly. So, for instance, there will probably be a new blog post before too long showing you how to use the new Google Keep integration inside slides. And so I could, you know, easily just drag my crosshairs over the tools and show you to go to um, tools, keep notepad and, and turn that into a GIF. Um, there is sort of a, a pro upgrade to that. I have not paid for it yet. Uh, seven seconds or less in it less in the free version. And so, and they all get saved to the cloud so I can get to them anywhere with my account. So I love it. It's, it's really easy to use. And I created a quick little video tutorial just to show you what it looks like. Cause even as I try to explain it in an audio potty, a pot, pot, potty cast, there we go. <laughs> we we did, had to have a reference. There it is. That's three in a row. We've got a theme going in, in season two. So I'm running out of words here, but, um, no. So anyway, it, it's it's kind of hard to explain. So the video lets you kind of see how it works and see how easy it is. So um, go check it out. It, it can really help you save some time and save some steps with your students or, or your presentations and blog posts and whatever else it is that you do. Well, we we hope you have enjoyed the 25th edition of the podcast. The podcast, that's right. We have a new of word. the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. In all seriousness, we appreciate you taking the time to listen and and to be a part of the tribe. So um, we hope you all have a great week. Yes, go check out some of those updates on Google Slides and all of that, and let us know what you think of them. And until then, we will see you on the next episode. Bye, y'all.
Thanks for listening to the Google Teacher Tribe podcast. Keep up with every new episode by subscribing on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, and by visiting googleteachertribe.com. Get in on the conversation on Twitter by using the hashtag GTTribe. Until next time, keep harnessing the G Suite power. And may the Googles be with you. hilarious that you had a potty <laughs> slip in I, I, I can feel my, my tongue just getting like slippery there my, i was losing my words okay funny i've heard you say that during presentations <laughs> at some point you say i'm starting to run out of words or it's yes, something like yes. that and you start making yes. words up too right yes i usually like the last session of the day or even sometimes depending how long i've been talking and presenting i'll be like okay people fair warning but you know this time i have been talking for so long that i just start making up new words i lose my words and and you just go with it you just shake your head and you pretend like you know exactly what i'm talking about because i will i will give you some new words that are not in the dictionary i promise yes, so Casey, um podcast yeah, right. um, i think i think i have the title for my next podcast right oh my goodness yes that's right oh, one second we'll be learning on the loop <laughs> Thank you once again for listening to the Google Teacher Podcast Archive. For the latest on Matt Miller, be sure to visit his website, ditchthattextbook.com. For the latest on Casey Bell, be sure to visit her website, shakeuplearning.com. And to keep up with me and get the latest in education technology, be sure to visit my website, chrisnessy.com. And I invite you to listen to the House of EdTech Podcast.